Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Last time on Dungeon Drunks, our heroes found themselves not in Waterdeep and Sans one very tiny and obnoxious gnome. They traveled north with a halfling named Mariah to deliver some turnips to the town and temple of Beth Emanuel. There they discovered that all was not quite right among the worshippers of whatever the hell they worship in Beth Emanuel and learned that they were missing their dear father Harvey. Tonight, they're going to find out if they can rescue them on whatever Lauren says, because I'm not Lauren. My name is Julia, and I'm DMing tonight. Um, No, it's not going to get that serious. First off, our our favorite friend with the Zelda shirt on, Carlton Tanks. Oh, that's me. What are you drinking? (laughs) Uh, I am still drinking uh, because I bought a gallon of it, and it's only been a week, and I did not drink a gallon of cider in a week. Uh, apple cider. <laughs> and then for candy, I had the really fancy chocolate last week, but this week I kind of ate it all, so I literally just stole candy from the children that I was going to be giving it to. Yes. So Yay! I have fun-sized Reese's, Kit Kats, and M&M's. So fuck the kids. You <laughs> still, you'll steal candy from the children. Only the British children, though. Alright, speaking of not British children, Jack, what are you drinking tonight? Good people of Faerun, the Viceroy's choice this evening is uh, Crispin, the Saint. So not just any Crispin, but this is Artisanal Reserve, unfiltered, hard cider. They implement wine in the brewing of this thing. They cold filter it, apparently, and uh, it has that bold flavor of apples, but it has like a dry finish. So it's kind of like Strongbow, but just a little bit sweeter. And there's 22 ounces of it, so I'm, I'm set for the evening. Nice. nice. All right, our... Our normal DM and temporary player, Lauren, who are you playing tonight and what are you drinking? I am playing Liz, the uh, human cleric who's just joined up with all these fun people. I once again have bullet bourbon in in a large shot glass. This is my Farscape shot glass. I don't know how well this is showing up on the Skype I have had this thing it's forever. It's got pretty gold thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the Farscape because Farscape is awesome. And if you haven't ever watched it, go ahead and find it on Netflix after you've watched Stranger Things too. But yeah, more bullet bourbon and more being a cleric because healing is fun. And Jonathan, the Magimuscular, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, this is Jonathan and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular. Tonight, I have a uh, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. It is Cola and vodka and lime juice and it's delicious and i have here the shot of fireball to be consumed at the first casting of fireball and this is going out to jonathan buckmeister of taking initiative because i played in a game that he did for us and it was awesome so uh jonathan this shot is for you and he's good people yeah bucky is awesome yes bucky's awesome I highly do recommend your friendly neighborhood, Bucky. Who doesn't love Bucky? And their podcast. Does anybody else have Halloween candy on them? I have some Starburst just off off of the screen. Because Carlton actively sought to get candy. Everybody's going to get one inspiration point. 
Sweet. It's about the Halloween. And I'm your DM, and I do what I fucking want. And is it great? <laughs> Time for a new game. Inspiration. <laughs> and tonight, I am actually drinking something super cool. Um, it's Kitchisippi, which I spent a long time learning how to say. Uh, beer company here in Ottawa. And this is their Commissariat Old Stock Ale, which is named for the Commissariat Building, which today is the Bytown Museum, which recently celebrated its 100th birthday as a museum. It is mm. well over 150 years old as a building. And I'm super, super, super excited to try it. And if you live in Ottawa, you should visit both the Bytown Museum and the Kitchissippi Brewing Company and support your local museums and your local beers. Here, here. Ooh, I'll drink to that. Slancha. All right, you guys ready to get going? Yeah. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. All right, everybody feeling spooky? Extra tasty spooky. I'm ready to encounter some zombie franks. Spooky and sassy? Spooky and spooky, sassy? Yeah. I'm, I'm all ready to take care of zombies. So once again, you find yourselves inside of the Temple Beth Emanuel. Novice Lemmings is kind of looking around nervously, and you suddenly got the feeling that whether or not Father Harvey was here, there, or anywhere, Novice Lemmings would be looking around nervously because that is his constant state of being, as Travancore found out last time with his amazing, amazing intuition rolls. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you recall before... Uh, <laughs> Before Liz used command to send one of the obnoxious preteens back down into the basement to continue their fun, fun lock-in, um, she told you that there is, they believe, a secret passageway uh, from the graveyard to the town hall, and they were intending to break in and vandalize Glossop Emanuel, the rival town in this group of three towns. Um, and you had decided that you were on your way to the graveyard. Are you still on your way to the graveyard? I think so. Yeah, we got yeah. we got to get that paper. Yeah, and by right. paper yeah, I mean metal. <laughs> Healing potions uh, don't come cheap, apparently. <laughs> nope, no. And that's the fastest way to get there. So that's what we're gonna do. All right. So you guys. Also, fun fact that you can totally edit out. I named this section in my notes a secret passage from the conservatory to the lounge. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody gets the clue reference. Oh, they better. They better. Only now we have to have five different endings on this game, and then people can choose which one that they- No, God, can we pause and break, and in a week I'll come back with three more endings? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys head on out. It's probably the sun was setting when you headed out from uh, from a place that I named Lesser Stoat that I'm now remembering the name of. And you start walking back through town. If it was quiet before, there's not a soul out. Um, and now that you know that they really are preparing for a festival and literally all of the children in the city are in the basement of the Temple Beth Emanuel with their sleeping bags and their candy, you understand why the town is so quiet tonight. And you guys travel to the back to the Three Souls graveyard, which is going to be semi a familiar spot. You've crossed over one bridge in the Three Souls graveyard to give you guys a better understanding as the river bends. So you crossed over that first bridge, you came to literally like a nice little armpit of land in the center. So you are in the Three Souls. It is filled with old trees and even older gravestones. Um, and you really get the sense very quickly that 
you only kind of scratch the surface on the road traveling through. This has been the final resting place for the citizens of all of the three on the river for many, many, many years. And you, Liz, would know that the oldest part of the graveyard sits on the highest hill. And as you guys walk up that highest hill, you see three mausoleums. Um, they look old, but two of the three actually look pretty well taken care of. Who are they too? Uh, they are the mausoleums for Beth Emanuel. They say on there, they're nice little, they're kind of got that very nice, like, Greco-Roman little, like, house to the dead style. They've got little doors. And very easily, with your passive perception, you all can see that on the top of the middle one says Beth Emanuel. On the top of the one to the right says Glossop Emanuel. And on the left, the um, not-so-great-taking-care-of one says Leibster Emanuel. Of course. Now, as we know, tombs cannot swim. Tombs uh, cannot well, we swim. want to go to Glossop, so... It sounded like the the passageway was going to be through the Glossop tomb. All right. Right? Or is it going to be through the Beth Emanuel tomb because we're at Beth Emanuel? What was the third one? Lobster. We can pretty much count that out. It's just lobster. Don't worry about that. Lobster? I like lobster. Lobster is excellent. Lobster is dumb. I'd like to <laughs> reverse engineer a survival check to figure out which direction has the most, like, peril. Is that... <laughs> Because that that's what we want to avoid. I think I've done allowed? it one time. You're the DM. I think, okay, maybe not a survival check, but you guys can give me investigation checks on these tombs. Ooh, sure. Gore investigates. Yeah, they tombs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a 10. It's, I I know the one says Glossop Emmanuel <laughs> and uh, Glossop. You're Glossop like, is yeah. where we want to go. So tw- I got a 12. So mausoleums, Carl. Mausoleum. I could count, count my roll on one hand. <laughs> and then Jonathan the Magic Muscular got an 18. Thank oh, okay, good. God go. for Jonathan the Magic Muscular. Are you, were we going to say, well, they're tombs. And I guess, truthfully, I was just going to be like, yeah, they're tombs. And um, yeah, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Have fun. You guys might want to start walking to that town right about now. <laughs> um, Okay. So, Jonathan, with an 18... You kind of go up, your friends are like tombs and they're like chatting and, and basically Liz is sitting there and she's telling them, she's like, let me tell you about this lobster man. They are all idiots. We live on a river. They don't swim. Don't know why. Um, and so you kind of get a little more interested in lobsters mausoleum. You walk up, it's the plainest. And you see that all the mausoleums are generally structured the same. They were probably built a couple of years apart because obviously they didn't all die on the same day. Um, and you also get the sense that maybe the siblings helped pay or build for lobsters. And you peer through kind of an iron bar door. You can see inside a large stone tomb. It's got a few rocks on the top of it, you know, kind of small like river stones. Engraved on the far wall, it says, oh, dear cousin, that you had learned to swim. Hmm. So it looks like the one for uh, Lobster Manuel, which for people that don't swim, it's a very interesting name. So it one, I think this one's dedicated to a cut to a drowned cousin. Uh, but I know that's not really relevant. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this. This is this is so not. And Buck's just like buries his head in his wing. Buck's like, can oh do an God. investigation check if he wants, but you move 
over to the middle mausoleum. The grass is a little better kept up. In fact, what you see as you look through the iron bars of this lovely little mausoleum is there's actually a stained glass window in this one. And that's the glossop? Yeah, it is. Libs. That's Beth's. Oh, okay. Uh, Beth, she got a stained glass window with a lovely woman sitting on a crescent moon with her arms outstretched. And actually, it's really lovely because the light of the moon is currently shining through. The moon started to rise. It's late enough. And you can see um, on her tomb is written, Beloved Mother, Sister, Friend. Having never failed in kindness, may your soul rise from the darkness into perfect light. All right. You move over. Finally, to Glossop's mausoleum, and it's upkept probably around the same as Beth. You get the sense that the the citizens of Glossop Emanuel, however shitty they are to the citizens of Beth Emanuel, do take care of their own. Um, and there's another stained glass window, and this time it's depicting a crying woman holding a glass of red wine. And there's another tomb inside, and on these words, engraved upon it is, Repentance unforgiven as your heart will rise with the setting sun. And that is all three mausoleums. They're all three have uh, doorways in them if you want to go in. Or if you want to sit outside and have a picnic with the dead, we can run an entirely different game and we can do a Day of the Dead celebration, (laughs) which I did not prepare for. Please don't choose that option. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Liz is going to walk on up to the Glossop tomb because she seems to believe that this is is what her insolent little child said that they were going to do. She's going to cast light on the end of her her mace and kind of shine it around. Is the door open? Can we actually go into these tombs? Yeah, you can walk on in. The doors are not locked, which is probably showing a sign of trust that um, last time I was in a very old cemetery, the doors were definitely locked on the big mausoleums. I'm not saying I tried, but I did. But yeah, I'd like to go on in and kind of shine the light around. And Do I see any obvious passageway disturbance in the ground or the force. You actually don't see anything obvious, but I will let you, since you're now in the mausoleum, give me another investigation check. Let's give it a try. That'd be an 18. All right. Um, so you go in, you have light cast, so you can see a little better than you could before. And you start looking around. And what you realize is this is essentially a family crypt. The tomb in the center definitely belonged to Glossop, but you start to see that there are, on the sides, because this is pretty thick-walled, these sides are thick-walled so that they can hold other members of the family. Um, and Glossop maybe had, you know, lots of kids. There's quite a few in here. And you ask really, on one of these nice plates, there's little brass name plates, you see another Glossop Emmanuel. Probably a daughter based on the birth dates and the death dates. It's nice and brass. And what you notice, you can tell it's brass because it's doing that same thing that statues do. Whenever people rub their toes or their noses or their ears for luck, those bronze statues will, all the oils on your hand will keep those parts shiny. And there is a shiny part where it seems like someone is constantly rubbing the second O in Glossop. Hmm. Detective Travancore, you want to investigate? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, Travancore sighs a deep sigh of resignation and, <laughs> and rubs that area. All right. Are you, just, are you just running your finger down it or are you pushing it? I'm going to push it. 
All right. So tonight, Travancore, actually, um, what you don't know is he's wearing a nice little cape and it's plaid and he's got this nice deer stalker plaid hat on. Oh, no. Um, because for the night, Detective Travancore is totally Detective Travancore all night long. Um, Sweet. So <laughs> you press in the O and you hear a little click and the O sinks further into the wall and several of the graves right next to Gloss, daughter Glossop's grave on the wall uh, actually start to sink back, kind of back and downward, and form a set of stairs going down. Congratulations, nice. you solved my mausoleum. We're puzzle. literally gonna walk on some bodies. Well, they're in. You're not on bodies. You're in, you're you're on tombs. Yeah, the bodies seem to have moved off to the side, and then we're going down the stairs. Oh, they might be fit. Oh, got it. Got it. I'm Who knows? It could guy. be real bodies. It depends on how people treat their dead, man. People used to make cathedrals out of dead bodies. It's actually very lovely. I've been to one. Huh. Liz is too too bothered by the fact that there is this secret cool little stairway, and she had to hear about it from a small child and didn't know about this. And she's just holding the light out down this tunnel going, well, this is very disturbing. Liz, I thought you were a local. I thought I was too. Wait, so you never had shenanigans in this area? You never did this? I'm guessing not, considering... I don't know. It's, I, you can build your own past. You can decide. Choose it your own It was not adventure. on my character sheet, so I'm going to say, no, I don't ever remember seeing this. This is amazing and disturbing. Were you a nerd? Well, yes, of course. Why do you think I'm a cleric? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, you're a wizard. You like to read as well, right? And she'll I mean, pull out I... her book of spells and be like, right? Ah, uh, fair. <laughs> Jonathan the Magic Muscular <laughs> takes out his spell book and flips through the pages. And and with my light, the two of us are just like, ooh, look. Oh, I like the drawings that are on your side. That's oh, yes, cool. yes. I didn't even think oh, about that. Oh, you see this? This this little yes. drawing right here? Yeah, this guy did it with my fucking magic inks. <laughs> and I point at Carlton. But look how great it looks. And I will give him a disapproving Carlton, look. Carlton, you grin like an idiot. You're like, oh, hey. I, I am grinning like an idiot, literally. <laughs> John the player. Well, I, I guess we don't have much time in order to, to get... Uh, uh, no, I guess not. Father Harvey, so we should... We'll look at our books later. So yes. we head in a cripwardly direction. <laughs> I think we already did that. I think we're heading in even oh, more cripwardly. Or a, to- a tombwardly. Are we now raiding this tomb? No, I think it's a, it's an entrance. I think it's how... I think it's how you can get into uh, Glossop Manual and, and do some shenanigans. App- apparently. I like shenanigans. I'm still going to put down that I raided this tomb. This is exciting. Hmm. I always liked those Pope books when I was a child. This is the coolest cool kid thing Liz has ever done. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's canon. Um, So what's your, who who's going first? Uh, I'll take up the, the lead this time around. Me and Shadow. Okay. Detective Travancore goes down. Uh, Shadow, Shadow kind of like. You, have you ever watched like fat animals go downstairs? It's probably one of. The, I know we've got we have limited time, but I would like to spend at least two minutes describing to you what I think is one of the greatest phenomenons. Like you gave me control, and I'm not saying it was a mistake, but it was definitely a mistake. And- as long as people are having fun, it's never a mistake. And now, of course, I'm picturing. Hey, listen, I spent two minutes once picturing Shadow dancing. I was like picturing his, you know, like so. My friend had this very, very, very overweight cat, and I watched it go downstairs once. The stairs are steep enough that Shadow starts to pick up a little momentum. 
as he's Uh-oh. going. And he has a little bit of trouble sta- stopping himself. And Travancore, you kind of, you kind of like look behind you and you see like this moment of panic because these stairs are pretty steep because he can't cut into other graves. So you're going like down before you go under. Um, and you start running as well. And you get to the bottom of this stairwell and to this tiny little tunnel and you've run like 20 feet so that shadow can have some like the same amount of room that planes need for breaking when they land because (laughs) the back part of his body, which is heavier than the front part, has gained a momentum that the front part cannot stop. I'm just imagining Dr. Henry Jones um, chasing a a furry boulder. (laughs) This this is your moment where you've morphed from Sherlock Holmes into into Travancore Jones Jr. (laughs) And Liz will come right back down the stairs right behind him with the light being like, oh, your bell moves so fast. No, no. Jones was the previous dynasty. (laughs) And the other, the rest of you kind of like, oh. Okay, and you follow, and you go down the stairs, and you are in a passage. Um, the tunnel has uh, stone walls, kind of, you can tell they definitely wanted to support the dirt, because you're definitely going over, if you think about graveyards, graveyards probably have more hole and body than they do dirt, so you need some supportive fixtures. And it's strange, as you go, you start to hear kind of sounds of the river because the passage, you've gone down some steep stairs, but it kind of still sloping downward for a little bit before it levels out. So you think you might actually be underneath the river as you're going. And that makes sense because you know that Glossop is on the other side of the river. And you also start to see a little bit of fog in the tunnel. Which is really hmm. weird. It's about calf height. Doesn't hurt you. You're totally fine. You see, like, the occasional rat running around. So you can definitely tell that, like, while this isn't a passage that people use every single day, there's probably some holes somewhere. Things can get in and out. And you go for about 15, 20 minutes before the passage starts to gradually climb back up. You no longer hear any of the kind of rushing water sounds of the river. Um, it feels maybe, it still feels pretty damp in here because let me tell you what, you're in a river town, things are damp. Um, but it's getting less so. You still have that like weird kind of fog, which you wouldn't expect underground. And then you start to climb some more and you hit a set of wooden stairs. Do you guys want to go up them, or do you want to hang out here and have that picnic? Can I see, like, at the very top of the stairs? Do we see what's at the top? Is um, there a door? Is there a passage? Your light actually doesn't reach far enough to see the top of the stairs. Uh, more importantly, Ooh. does it look like the stairs will hold my weight? Actually, yes. They may be wooden, but this is not a dilapidated mine situation. These are some nice, sturdy oak stairs. And can I see up there with my dark vision if there's anything like that? It looks like the stairs go up into the ceiling, but you're not quite sure you need to get closer to find out. All right, uh, I'll start heading up the stairs because I realize I forgot my picnic blanket back at the temple. All right, Carlton, you shimmy past everyone because this is like a one and a half person wide hallway. So you kind of like put your hands up, you get close to one, mm, excuse me. Excuse me, excuse me. Pardon me. Shadow, shadow. You get to the bear, it's tight. Would I know, as as he's squeezing by, would I know if each of the three towns have a a similar 
do they have a graveyard with mausoleums like this? Are we going to find like... No, they all... Everybody's buried in the Three Souls. It's called the Three Souls because it's... Uh, the You know from experience that the Three Souls is so named because it's the first... That's the final resting place of the three town founders. So okay. whatever... Whatever... The idea is that whatever gripes they had in life, um, they will come together and forgive each other their trespasses and death. Oh, that's nice. So... There isn't a graveyard in Glossop no. Emanuel that we're going to be... Okay. Be careful. I, I don't know what's going to be up there. You, well, from what you were told, if you're, if, you're a little, um, if you're a little cretin back at the temple... <laughs> <laughs> I love children. <laughs> <laughs> right, Django? We love children. <laughs> um, uh, somewhere it, upstairs, it, a child is very angry. <laughs> <laughs> she, from what she told you, you were expecting to be maybe in the basement of the town hall? When you come up, she said it led to the town hall, and that's where they were going to do their vandalism. So, uh, oh, okay. Carlton, you start walking up the stairs, and mm-hmm. you stop when your head is about to hit the top. And on closer inspection with your dark vision, it is actually a wooden trap door with a little handle. I want to look at it for anything that might be considered a trap. All right, give me a check for traps, which is a thing that you can do. It's an do investigation. And it's investigation. An it looks like a trap door, but okay. it looks like it's but not, not a trapped, a trapped door. door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Important distinction. I look back at the guys. I'm like, it's rude to just open, right? You should knock first. And I knock on the door. How loud do you knock? Ah, uh, like. Like a friendly knock. Like, you're not, I'm not pounding on it. I'm not doing it lightly. Like, just a friendly hello kind of level knock. Nothing. Okay. I slowly open the door and peek in. What do I see? The hinges go. Because you can tell they haven't been used in a while. And so, oh, like, dirt, spoopy. Too spoopy. Dirt and just drops in your face. How, how far up do you want to lift it? Like, eyeballs up? Yeah. Face uh, up? Like, just so I could, like, just like right under my eyes, you know, eyes at the top of my head is what fits in that gap of viewing. Yeah, so Hogan's Heroes level. Hogan's Heroes. Yes. All right, Old so you... I get that reference. I'm going to give you... Let me give you guys a visual since I didn't draw shit for you tonight. All right, so your nose peeks up and you look, and it's much brighter in here than it was. Um, and what you see, um, your little eyeballs can see the way you're facing, is you can see about eight feet of nice, shiny oak floors mm. um, leading to some stone walls. That's basically what is in your immediate vision. And if I pan to the left or right? Uh, pan to the left and right because you are kind of at like ground height. And you've yeah. got, remember, you've got this thing. So it's not yeah, like so you're th- up th- and down. I have like triangles on the left and right. You can see what looks like a little bit um, on the left and the right of you. You can see like the ends of shelves. Maybe shelves, maybe not. Something um, maybe that has feet. Maybe it's tables. You're not quite sure. All right, I look back down at my comrades below me, and I'm like, I kind of do a shrug, like, ah, and then I open it up the rest of the way. And you pop on up? I pop on up. You guys coming with him? Yeah. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah, eat a slice of this pie? All right. You guys all climb up, and it looks like as you kind of flip the thing around, you climb out, and you get reoriented. You all get in, and um, and on further examination, you realize that those weren't shelves so much as they were for holding wine. So they're wine shelves-ish. 
Uh, you are in I a wine cellar. I open up my bag of holding, and I start putting in bottles of wine. All right. And Liz is, wait, wait a moment. No, I'm, I'm going to be paying you. You don't need to steal anything. I'm not stealing. Are you paying for this? To be determined. No, I would. No, I will not be party to this. We are not here to steal. We're here to find Father Harvey and get you paid. You can put that back. How much was I getting paid again? I pull Carlton aside and I say, "Let's do what she wants first. We can steal the wine later when she's not looking." I will put them back, but I would like to roll deception to leave, to not put as many back as I have taken out. How many would you say you put in? I will say by the time I stopped was about seven bottles, and I want to leave two bottles. All right, do your deception check. I would like to do a perception check. Yes, Not on him. I would like to perceive the wine rack that he's putting all the wine back into to see how many holes are left after he puts wine back. Okay, 11. I was going to have you do do a, do a check. Yeah, you. so you got an 11 on that deception. Okay, am I doing perception or insight? Uh, Was that a perception or an insight? Just for, I would well, if say... Like me, if I'm trying to read if he's lying, it's an insight. Insight. I'm you're trying, trying to, to... You're reading if he's lying, but you're doing it by okay. checking the number of bottles. That's... Okay, so that's a 25. Yeah. Okay. So she can count. <laughs> okay. And oh, she's been this, counting, this is, and you think that maybe, really even though deep. she's a good girl, she probably also, when they play backgammon, or whatever it is they play on rainy days at the temple, she can count... I don't think Batgammon has cards. Does today. She counts (laughs) cards, so counting wine bottles ain't a stretch for Liz. I don't say anything. I just give you the same stern look I gave the children. Oh, sorry. I I forgot how to count. I'm not very good at numbers, and this bag is really deep. And I put my entire, like, all the way to the shoulder deep into this bag of holding. And, like, kind of, like, do the, like, wave it around like I'm rummaging, and I pull up the last two bottles. I wait for him to put them on there, and then uh, I give him uh, a curt nod. I put him back. Good job, Carl. Once you're paid, if we're successful at this, I'll buy you a drink. How about that? That sounds pleasant. That would be good. Is there any way out of here? <laughs> All right, give me some perception <laughs> checks so I can tell you guys some shit about this wine cellar. All right. All, right. All of us? Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not good. I'm going to laugh when I roll really well and become All the right. best uh, sommelier in you know Faerun. What? The bear's going to roll, too. The bear's... Not that he's going to do much nope, better. I got a six. I got a natural one. Okay, let's go through. Jonathan, what'd you get? I got a 12. Buck's got a 13. You know what? Dice jail. All right. Travancore, what did you and the bear get? Uh, Travancore got a six, but that's a natural one, so auto fail. And oh. then Shadow got a seven. All right. Uh, Carlton? I also rolled a natural one, so it's a six. Uh, yeah, it's wine. <laughs> Technically, uh, I'm going to well actually for a second. Push up my glasses. <laughs> well actually, <laughs> on a skill check, one is not a fail. You can pass a skill check on the one depending on the check. Oh, okay. That's cool. And depending on the DM. So right. there's hope. And Lauren, what'd you get? <laughs> Well, fortunately, after sternly looking at Carlton, I then sternly looked around the rest of the room as though making sure that nothing else was missing. And so I got a 21. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, Travancore is embarrassed because Carlton is basically stealing in front of a woman of God. And he knows that all clerics not are not like Bernie. They're not going to let that <laughs> shit slide. So Travancore is just like staring down Carlton and Carlton's like, shit. 
to you're you're look you're trying your best to look repentant even though you're totally not repentant. Um, <laughs> oh no, I'm not. I just know I got caught, so I'm like, all right, well, shit, all right. Meanwhile, Jonathan, you like nudge Liz, and you're like, let's let's. There's a man somewhere, and he's in trouble. So maybe we should not steal shit. Let's find this out. Uh, Jonathan, you kind of get a really basic lay of the land. You're in a wine cellar, but it's not. You're not in a vineyard. This isn't some long, drawn-out system of wine for days. Um, This room is probably about 40 feet square, 40 feet by 40 feet square. Um, On one side, you can see there's racks that run the room. And on the other side of you, from where you came in, there's racks that run the room. And you can see in the center, there's a beautiful, long, wooden table that's got some wine bottles on it. Now, Liz... Uh, you kind of actually, like, Jonathan's giving the room, like, a cursory, you're doing that adventure thing where you're like, I'm not going to move from this spot. I'm not an idiot. There could be traps anywhere I go. Uh, Liz doesn't do a lot of adventuring, so she just starts walking around the room. And what she sees is she sees that in the southeast corner, there's maybe a spiral staircase going up. And, but on the north side, Liz, what you actually spot is a really large metal door. Um, and it's metal door. If you uh, and in you notice that it's got really weird locking mechanism on it. It's not got a handle that you can see. There's iron bars holding it shut. And you've also noticed as you walk by that the table actually has four bottles of wine on it and several wine glasses. Open bottles? Uh, closed bottles. Okay. There's a, there's there's wine court. There's everything you need in this room to have yourselves a wine party. Okay. Well, except cheese. Dun, dun, well, dun. no, because Sorry. these are not heathens. They're not going to leave cheese out. There's I yeah. You don't know. You did not find the you maybe maybe Leibster was actually hiding the uh, tunnel to the cheese cellar. Oh, all Liz cares about is finding Father Harvey and getting back home in time. So. The wine bottles are like, ah, eh, whatever. The door, she gives a huh to as she passes by. But the spiral staircase seems like the sane way to go because she's, I'm assuming that he's probably talking to the mayor and they're probably in one of the offices or he's talking to a constable or something. So we just, we need to find someone official who might still be up and then we'll find Father Harvey. So my guess is we just need to go upstairs. This is probably the basement of wherever we are. And hopefully once we find him, we don't have to come back down this way, but it's good to know it's here. Oh yeah. Like this is, this is, this is an excellent setup for some, for some shenanigans. This will be great. But yeah, let's go let's go up and see. And uh, Why don't you promise me that there will be no shenanigans tonight, okay? I mean, you know, <laughs> Please. listen, we killed three people on the way over here, so I it's But stuff I heard happens. that was self-defense. Self-defense is totally different than shenanigans. We will not shenan of our own initiative, but if shenanigans happen, we are we're out that's out of our control. And that's at this fair. point, Jonathan the Madge Muscular, so the, is there a door? At the top of the stairs, or is there so, stairs going uh, up? The stairs lead up, and it probably goes through another trap door. So the, the only door in the room is the weird metal door that is got four bolts across it. So you got close enough to the door that you basically see that it is held shut. Um, there's four iron bolts holding the door shut, and there's a fifth that's actually been slid back. And 
you see there's probably you see another trapdoor in the spiral staircase. You know, let's leave the giant metal door that has bolts. Yeah, we're going to leave that cuz that's potentially like a monster or something or like a golem or something awful that's like being kept away from everyone. Or this is where the town stores its its treasury. I <laughs> I know that we've we've had different experiences, but as far as I know, there shouldn't be anything weird going on. This is probably just like artifacts and treasure and the the banking and stuff. Well, and so no, either no, way, yeah, go up the stairs. Yeah, we'll leave it alone. So Jonathan yeah. the Match Muscular is going to use Mage Hand to try and lift up the trapdoor. All right, the trapdoor swings open. There's actually not a creaky noise on this trapdoor. You get the sense that this is probably a pretty regularly used trapdoor. Do you go up through it? Ah, uh, send bucks through it. Open the trapdoor opens, and then a little tiny owl head just like oh. Bucks sees a kitchen, which is strange because Liz, there's well, I guess here I'm going to tell you. Uh, do you want Bucks to do some perception? Do you want him to yeah, loop around? Yeah. If there's like if it's a kitchen and there's a convenient like table leg or cabinet that he can like waddle behind, he wants to do that and then. So Bucks Bucks kind of swoops up, um, and he 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 flies real low and he does like low landing and he's like flopping around on the kitchen. Owls don't flop. That's fine. He's cutely waddling around on the kitchen floor. He's like pat 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 as his little his little ta- little feet hit the hit the tile. There's lots of paps. <laughs> oh, bucks. Um, so give me a perception check for bucks. All right. Oh, uh, that's good. Let's see. And if I'm we assuming can do there's that. ambient light around. Yeah, there's uh, a little. Can... There's some okay, windows. This the... is okay. Uh, that's a soft twenty for bucks. Okay. Um, so you are kind of he like relays stuff. You see it in real time if he's close enough to you. Uh, yeah. I get impressions from him, like because I don't know that I, I I can't like see through his eyes, right? No, but he, what we've decided in canon is that he speaks to you not in words, but in images. And so Jules describing the room would be the same as him projecting an image of the room to you in like pictures okay. kind of thing. So so you're not seeing like real time. You're seeing, you're basically getting like periscope except five frames a second. So five seconds after, like, you know, you're, you're getting a, a delay, but you're, you're seeing stuff. All right, so Bucks kind of looks around. Um, he like pat pat paps around. And he gets like a sense of things, but he realizes that he's he's tiny owl. He needs to be up a little higher to get the feel. So he kind of swoops up and lands a bit on the counter. And as you guys can tell from the background noise, it's when the alarm goes off and the sirens wail and the popo come to get him. And they put Jesus, him it's not in a t- <laughs> No, you are in Canada. They are Mounties. You will be respectful of the Mounties. The Mounties a. rush in, eh? And they take Bucks. And they put <laughs> him in the jail. And they put a nice little tiny striped jacket on him. And they, Oh my and they, god, that sounds and too they, cute. And they fingerprint his little toesies. And this is starting to sound Minnesotan, and Bucks is in the slammer, and you have a new mission before you, should you choose to accept it, eh? No, there's no. Let's go on Bucks' rescue mission. Uh, Father Harvey Harvey can suck a nut. You gotta know. Don't you know? What does he see? (laughs) Bucks sees some bears. Uh, No, Bucks uh, swoops up onto the countertop, and he 
pretty much can tell that he is in a a kitchen that would not be out of place from what you see in a, a pretty wealthy household. Maybe not a household that serves tons of people, but definitely someone who's got enough money to employ a cook, a butler, several maids. You can see a small table where the servants obviously uh, take their meals. There's, it's a, whoever runs this kitchen runs a tight ship and keeps it very clean. Um, there's not like the kitchen you saw on our last adventure. Uh, you see lots of, um, copper bottomed pots, not full copper because nobody wants to get poisoned, uh, hanging from a nice rack. You see a clean, uh, stove that has just been blacked. Uh, you see a door that swings open probably to someone's dining room. But what you don't see is anything that would strike you as a municipal building. Hmm. This is not this is not a town hall. And this is a very very quiet quiet house. What Bucks doesn't see in here actually is what strikes you because Bucks doesn't hear people. He doesn't he doesn't see there's no servants coming and going i mean it's definitely someone's bedtime so i guess if he could plow himself through that little swinging door he might go and find some servants quarters with people asleep but no one's in here it's all been left and this this isn't like the kitchen that you'd find you know if you go into the town hall and they have like a shitty little microwave and a shitty little stove to warm everybody's (laughs) you know you don't you get the sense that there's probably a larder somewhere around here you might be in Glossop Emanuel, but you are not in the town hall. Okay. Um, Jonathan the Metromuscular relays this to the group and is like, I, we're definitely in someone's house. Would I know offhand of like a mansion, a large rich person's house in Glossop? Pretty much one of the wealthiest people in the town is uh, the mayor of the town, Alabaster Crew, who Harvey went to talk to a couple days ago. Well maybe the children got confused that the mayor's house was the town hall. The good thing is Alabaster Crew is who Harvey went to go see, so I guess it would be good to start here. It'd be a little weird to just come out of his basement, but... I I agree, Um, but if only we had someone who could enter a place stealthily and conduct reconnaissance for it. Carlton raises his hand. I I sort of like <laughs> motion to Carlton to like lower it. And I'm like, oh, oh, you know what? No, we no. actually all of us can do that. I can cast pass without trace. We can all be super stealthy ninjas. Oh right, oh, yeah. We can all roll forty sevens again. Yeah. I seriously, <laughs> Carlton. I mean, the second Carlton raises his hand, like I almost couldn't stop Bernie's voice from coming out of my house and going, "No, Carlton, no, Carlton, not tonight, no." Like I just like it was like a, a like a reaction I can't control anymore. <laughs> That's the relationship between Bernie and Carlton. Like, it's like strong. The, the stretching reach she has to get here. Cotton now. Like, just like. I'll have to start attaching like little armbands so when I do raise up, you can just grab the band to pull my arm back down. Bernie's going to keep you on a leash now. You're one of the leash children. All right. Tell me about Pass Without a Trace. What is it? All right. So it's a second level spell. And what happens when I cast Pass Without a Trace is that uh, concentration up to an hour, Veil of Shadows and Silence radiates you, uh, masking you and your companions for detection. For the duration, 
Each creature you choose within 30 feet of you, including you, has a plus 10 bonus to dexterity's stealth checks and can't be tracked except by magical means. A creature that receives this bonus leaves behind no tracks or other traces of its passage. So, I cast it on Liz, Shadow, Carlton, Jonathan, and the Viceroy of Glenmar, Travancore. And Bucks. And Bucks. All right, everybody, let's get those stealth checks. Liz is going to take a second Ooh. and... <laughs> Jonathan, don't forget about your inspiration. Yep, I'm I'm erasing it from my uh, from my sheet right now. Liz is gonna touch her holy symbol under uh, her vestments and cast guidance on herself and add a d4 to that. Yeah, does Shadow get inspiration too, or just the this human human characters? Sure, Shadow gets inspiration because Shadow uses inspiration. Bernie's not time. here, and Julia thinks Shadow's adorable. Aww. Aww. All right, let me hear. Let's start. Uh, we're going to go counterclockwise. Lauren, what did Liz get? She got a 16 thanks to all the bonuses because she is not stealthy whatsoever. <laughs> that'll do. That'll do. Travancore, what did you and the bear get? Uh, 31 for Travancore, 13 for Shadow, using his inspiration. Okay. Jonathan the Magic Muscular. Okay, so Jonathan the Magic Muscular gets a 19. But what did you roll before that? Uh, Jonathan the Magic Muscular rolled a one and then got inspired and rolled a six. All right. So Jonathan the Magic Muscular was like, let's do this. Um, trips and falls and knocks several bottles of wine out of the wine rack onto the floor. They break, make a big mess. Travancore Can I do a gives deck you- save to try to catch them in the bag for nope, later? Nope. Doesn't okay. happen. Travancore gives you the look. He goes, Man. like he gives you like hand signals that say like, you fucking kidding me with this shit? I just, really? And then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this. And everything, you get back to normal. Sorry, what Bucks get? <laughs> Bucks got, let's see, he he got a 20. All right, and Carlton, what'd you get? Uh, 26. All right, those are all good enough. You guys go up the spiral staircase, and you get into the kitchen, and you see kind of everything Bucks sees. Um, you kind of see that there's maybe, like, another door that probably goes off to, like, a larder where you might store meats and cheeses and all kinds of yummy food. But um, I already had dinner, so that's fine. And you see the nice uh, swinging door. Do you guys want to do a little exploring of this house? Yeah, as long as you have to do it in a stealthy way. I, I will. I will whisper... But I won't actually whisper into the microphone for the sake of all of us. But uh, whispering, Liz will say, we should find the exit and get out of here as quickly as possible. And then we can turn around and knock on the door or something and pretend like we arrived like normal people. I like that idea. Let's do that. You walk through the swinging door. Travancore lets you guys pass through first because he's smart enough to hold the door. (laughs) And you pass into a very well-appointed dining room. Um, it's definitely for formal dining. It's got a long, beautiful mahogany table. Um, the floors are stone in here, but underneath the table is a very, very large rug. And you can tell that the wallpaper is this really nice, like, blue, like, and then a tiny shade lighter blue stripes. And there are two doors leading out of this dining room. Are there any windows? There, let's see, the dining room? Yeah, of course there's windows. There's got to be windows in the dining room. So on the left-hand side of the dining room, there are nice big tall windows, and they have some nice, like, blue drapes. It's just blue because I felt like blue tonight. Um, And outside of the window, you can see that you, um, do you want to look outside? I'd like to 
peek out because I figure if I can look out the window, I can kind of orient myself to where we are in the house mm-hmm. and then figure out which way to go to get to the front door. Because Liz just wants out of this house. Liz just wants out of this house. So you are, uh, you peek out the window and you can see, you can see that it's nighttime. You can see that you're definitely not in the town proper. And now that you see that, it makes sense because you didn't really walk that far under the tunnel. Um, But what you mostly see are shrubs. Very nice, tall, beautiful hedges that are kind of like human height. So what you get is light comes through, but you don't really see out onto. So you're you're on the first floor. Okay. And on the right-hand side of the wall, um, there is like some art, like a generic landscape. There's a, what's called a sideboard. I'm sure you guys all know what that is. Um, and for those of our listeners who don't, this is an opportunity to Google. And <laughs> none of you fools ruled perception checks. And then there on either side of the sideboard, uh, there are two doors. Before we leave, I want to try something. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything that would have uh, Father Harvey's scent on him? Have his scent? Yeah, anything like that. Let me think for a second. Um, Jules, would it be fair to say that my holy symbol would be something that he gave to me? Yeah, actually it would be. It would be something that Father Harvey probably bestowed upon you as a ritual when you became a fully fledged part of the temple. Yeah, going from novice to, like, acolyte. Okay. I'll pull it out and, and take it off, and yes, well, he, it's been a little while, but he, he gave this to me, so uh, I guess you could try to get a scent off of it, sure. All right, so I take the cross, I hand it, uh, the thing, I hand it over to Shadow. It's a I crescent take, moon. I like it, yeah. yeah, a crescent moon. I like to hand it to Shadow and have him do a, percep- a keen smell perception check, gives him an advantage, to see if he can pick up Father Harvey's scent in this building. Okay, go for cool. it. Fourteen. All right, um, so Travancore comes up and he goes, <laughs> and he gets his, like, bare nose. Oh, God. Uh-oh. That was a mistake. <laughs> Did you hurt yourself? Foley oh, was okay? a mistake. <laughs> Foley Take a second. Foley is hard. Foley's yeah. hard. And when you sniff, when you had a cold, all the snot comes down. And then you can't oh. breathe. <laughs> oh. oh no. Um, a little bit of that prenatal drip. Yeah. So uh, he he takes a big old sniff of this thing and he starts like he does a little thing where he like just like flumps like down facing dogs his face onto the ground. He's like <laughs> And he kinda like makes a little cute little circle with his butt, like wiggling, but very stealthily. Because he's right. still in your stealth bubble. <laughs> he goes around the table and he like gives you this really, really weird look. And he goes, mm-hmm. and he goes back into the kitchen. Hmm. And he's like, <laughs> and he like sticks, sticks his nose down at the, because you guys have left the trap door open. And he sticks his nose down the stairs. And he, like, looks at you and he's, like, confused because I think he thought, like, you thought that if they're going to find him, wasn't going to be in a wine cellar. But nevertheless, Shadow starts climbing back, climbing back down the stairs. I'm going to follow him. Go follow him. Is it possible that he knew about this passage and came through here before or after us? Maybe we just missed him or maybe this is where he came? But I'll follow. You follow? Like, as, I'm, as, she's, as she's musing about this, she'll follow down the stairs again. All right. What about, what about Carlton and Jonathan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we follow, too. 
Um, so once you guys, he's like scampered down these stairs, um, with his, his, his large butt momentum and you see him and he is doing something strange. He has kind of followed the scent and he's basically kind of pacing back and forth. Um, he's pacing back and forth between the end of the large wooden table, which I had beautifully described if you guys had high enough investigation checks. By the way, um, <laughs> uh, it's a piece of like live, like live cut wood. I really want a table like that. I'm sorry, I was on IKEA the other day, and he is pacing back and forth between the end of the table and the door. Like he's like smelling it. Like he's got a trail, and he's just like going over and over it, trying to make sure that he's got it correctly. And he just stops at the the big metal door and sits down. Okay, then nose nose. I don't like this. I don't like this one hmm. bit. I. I think though that if we, I think we still, we still have to make an ex. If we get trapped in here, and like there's something going on, then we could get we could be implicated. Let's do this. So so Shadow's sitting in front of a door. Mm-hmm. He is right. staring at that door, like he is. He is. He basically what he did is he sniffed from the table and was like uh-huh and to the door and then he started trying to get his nose up under the door like he could smell it continuing and then he like realized he's not getting through that door and he sat down and is waiting for he looks like he is waiting patiently for it to be opened for him okay uh jonathan the is gonna say bucks to me and he's gonna bucks is gonna fly back and jonathan the muscular is gonna try and mage hand the door open okay um, describe, tell me, can you read off what Mage Hand can and can't do for me? Okay, let me bring it up. While Jonathan's doing that, Travancore, uh, Jack thinks to himself, huh, I'm kind of in a weird state where this game is out of canon, and I have one apple tart left, so if I eat it now, it'll be back for me in regular continuity. So, while We need to Jonathan's- have a DM's meeting to decide if that's yeah. for sure. Lauren, what do you think? So if I eat it now, do I get it back when the game continues? Here's what I'm going to say. The decision that I kind of made was that we would get experience for this, but there would be no carryover of items or stuff. But anything inconsequential that you use is going to be gone. So I'm going to say if you eat it, it's gone. Travancore thinks for a moment of these sort of pseudo meta thoughts that have haunted him his entire life of the sort of existence beyond existence. He looks down at his apple tart but then thinks better of it and leaves it uneaten. As Travancore is mulling this over, and as he is um, examining this tart, Liz is going to go up to where Shadow is seated, and she's going to cast Speak with Animals. (gasps) I'm so glad I made you a nature cleric! (laughs) And she's going to ask him, Do you smell... My friend through this door. Right, I gotta think of a shadow voice. Oh my god, this is so intense. I know. One of the reasons I wanted to do this is because you now get to be the canon voice of Shadow, oh, which makes wow. me so happy. Okay, so Shadow's eyes get a big because he communicates very easily with all of you. And he knows in general what's being said to him. And he definitely has a bond with with Travancore that kind of goes beyond language. But for the first time, he thinks to himself in his little bear brain, this woman is also a bear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with this thought. Liz is okay with this thought. And Shadow's, you're a bear. Are you a bear? You are a bear. I'm, I'm, I'm not a bear, sadly. 
You, oh. I would love to be one, but no, I'm not. Oh, <laughs> you, you, okay, you, you smell. There, on, on, on the, on the sky orb, there are two, two smells. One is you. One is you. Do you know, do you know how smells work? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am. Liz is going to very calmly and without batting an eye say, absolutely. You, you smell my friend though, correct? Yes. You both have a similar smell. It smells. It smells like Travancore. When he is around me too long, it almost smells, but not like me, but a little different, but almost like you. Um, the second smell, the second smell is like you, but, but old, but older, older human smell. They have a smell. I'm sure you know if you've ever been in a place with a lot of them. They are very old and they all have the same smell. Um, stale urine. But that smell, that smell is not up, not, not up, is here. That smell is under. That smell is beyond this door and in this room. And I do not smell it anywhere else that it is fresh. I only smell it here and in the and beyond the door. I, I cannot open a door. Can you open doors? You are not a bear. I am not. And that's, that's why we work so well together. And that's why you and your, your companion work so well together. Because he cannot smell, but he can open doors. You are not a bear, but you smell almost like a bear. But not quite like a bear. Almost like a dog. Do you have a dog? I've met a dog before. The little one that does not like me has a dog. Do you have a dog? I do, but I, I think she would like you very much. I think she wants to eat me. No, no, no. I can <laughs> assure you. Uh, listen, a fine companion, how long ago did my friend pass into this door? <laughs> hmm. The scent is, is not old, not new. Mm. There is another scent on top of it. Ugh, I don't like that smell. It smells, hmm. smells, smells bad. It smells not, I don't, maybe a day, more than a day. Maybe two, maybe two days. At this point, Liz will turn to everybody else and say, uh, so your your companion thinks that Father Harvey came through here and that something else has come through here too more recently and that he doesn't like whatever that was. So we should be prepared for something. I, I trust, and she'll look at Travancore and say, I trust his instincts. If he is wary, then we should be as well. As do as do I. The bear fucks up and goes, I like Travancore. Aww. He, he likes you friend. very much. He is the... Can you keep a secret? To look back at Shadow and say, absolutely. He is the best one of all of these. <laughs> I'm sure they are nice. <laughs> but but they had, they had a donkey for a while. I did not like that donkey. And he is the best. There is a big one over there that sometimes sticks things in his butt. But Travancore, Travancore is the smartest. And Travancore is the best. And Travancore loves me the very most of all things in the world. And I love him. And I think he, he is wonderful. And, and he is almost as good as being a bear. And Liz will smile and say, I'm, I'm so glad you have found a family to be with. He is my dad and my mom. She'll look over at Travancore and say, he loves you very much. Uh, so internally, 
Travancore is seething with jealousy that he doesn't get the chance to talk to his bear the way you did, having just met him. But externally, maintaining the cool, calm demeanor of a noble, no less the Viceroy of Glenmar, he says, I know. I also was fire one time, but we can talk about that later. (laughs) He also talks about very strange things. Uh, Hopefully one of these days I can, you can talk with him as well, but we should probably try to go through the door. This will last for another nine minutes and 32 seconds or so. So if we have any other questions, just let me know. Um, And she suddenly looks really uncomfortable. It's a 10 minute, it lasts for 10 minutes and it is not concentration as far as I can see. So hey, do me, do me a favor. I know he knows this, but just tell him you're a Herald of Greenest. You're a hero just as much as any one of us. Well, he, he understands you. This is basically, I can just, if he talks, I can tell you, but you can tell him yourself. Oh, well, he knows that already, I suppose. Don't you, Shadow? Tell him, I know that I am from Greenest and I Herald. And and he is a fire bear just as much as me. <laughs> Liz is confused, but will say he he agrees that he is a herald of greenest, and that he's glad that you are a fire bear with him. I don't know what that means, but uh, apparently it was important. The one with the muscles lights us on fire. <laughs> I, I and she will look <laughs> over at Jonathan and be like. What? I, uh, <laughs> he I pat my I pat my flare bow and I give kind of a knowing nod. Okay. Right. Um, we should yeah we should go we should we should go the door. Okay, yes. so Jonathan, while, I'm sorry you were while you have been talking. Jonathan has been working has been conjuring his mage hand. Mm-hmm. So Jonathan, I've read that I've read this. It says you can use your action to control the hand. You can use the hand to manipulate an object, open an unlocked door, or a container. I, rather unfortunately for you, this door is unlocked, my friend. Okay. And he pats himself down as if he's looking for something. And then he remembers that that's not how spells work. I didn't pack knock this morning. And I go, Bernie, thieves tools. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Shit. You didn't pack Bernie this morning either. <laughs> yeah, we forgot the pack of Bernie. Oh, yeah. So I look over at Liz, not remembering whether she has... Whether she has hair long enough to need necessitate, necessitate the need for a clothespin, or is it just, like, super short? She's got super short hair and has no way of opening a door. Crap. Thanks for listening to our adventure. Follow us on Twitter, at Dungeon Drunks, or find us online at www.dungeondrunks.com. And see you next encounter. Are you a fan of fantasy role-playing? Looking for more D&D action outside your normal campaign? Do you enjoy laughing uncontrollably? Look no further than the You Meet in a Tavern podcast. Follow the continuing adventures of Tug, Durf, and Carl as Dungeon Master Joe leads them on the adventure of a lifetime. We're four 20-somethings with dull jobs by day, letting our inner nerd kids shine in our first ever 5th edition D&D campaign together. Fans are calling it a gripping tale with a talented cast a large source of encouragement to get myself in my own D&D group. The funniest D&D podcast I've ever listened to. But don't take it from them. Check out You Meet in a Tavern for yourself on all your favorite podcast apps. That's You Meet in a Tavern, because every good story starts in a bar.